0: Welcome to the City View Community Church Podcast. Whether you're here for our weekly sermons, leadership chats, or conversations about life, we are stoked that you are here. If you want to know more of our story or want to partner with us, head over to cityviewcc.com. Our prayer today is that you walk away challenged, encouraged, and more passionate about discovering your purpose by knowing God, loving people, and living on mission. Let's jump right in. Well, hey, welcome to week five of our foolproofing your life series. And I know for us, this has been such a challenging series. It, it's raised perspective on what it means to to live with godly wisdom. I know for Lauren and I, it's led to some great conversations for us and our family, and and things that we navigate and have worked through and. It's honestly it's led to some like emotional conversations of us digging in and understanding what's truly happening in our hearts and in our minds and and I hope it's done the same thing for you that it's challenged you and encouraged you. And so today we're going to be talking about worrying your life away. The reality is that worry is is so prevalent especially in the season that we've all been navigating over the last several years worry has just come to the forefront. This anxiety, this stress, this pressure has been there. And I just wonder how many of you would admit, like right where you are, right in your living room, watching on your phone, your iPad, like would you just like raise your hand and go, you know what, honestly, I am a worrier. Like that is totally me. I'm worrying. You know, if, I think if we ask the people in your house, they probably would answer for you. Like maybe you wouldn't admit it, but they would go, Oh yeah, for sure. We definitely have a warrior in the house. And it's this amazing trait about warriors that they never seem to be able to admit, oh yeah, I am a warrior. Like I, I come from a family of warriors. And every time I say that, I know the moment that my mom hears it, she's gonna be like, I am not. I don't know what you're talking about. And they just make excuse after excuse. And it's like, I'm not a worrier. I just, you know, I, I, I'm careful. I'm a realist. I just I just want to make sure we're prepared. You just never know what could happen. It's like, that's literally the definition of being a worrier. And so it's this, this tension that's there of worrying being a part of your life. And the problem for me is that I actually married into a family of warriors as well. But they would never admit it either. I love them. They're awesome. But they wouldn't admit it that they're worrying. But we've gotten several hundred phone calls or texts. I heard an ambulance. Was that, was that are you guys okay? It's like, you're 4,000 miles away from us right now. Like, worry is there. Now, thankfully for Lauren and I, I feel like we've avoided the bug. Like that virus hasn't really caught us yet. I, I could see it kind of creeping a little bit in Lauren as the girls are getting older, but we, we, we're fighting it. But for me, it's never been the struggle because I, like, I determined from a young kid, like, I will not be that way. But speaking of being a young kid, I remember as a teenager, there was a time that uh, I faced a moment where I was more worried than I had ever been at any point in my life. And I was actually uh, on Utila, the island in the Caribbean that my family is from. And we were there and we were doing some missions work and we were connecting with with churches and families and, and doing some different things out there. And we had one day where we could just go have fun. And so we, me and a buddy of mine, we hopped on some jet skis and we headed to Open Ocean. We are just out there just going. And as you got deeper into the water, you would just hit these these waves, and the drop-off was like eight foot, and we're just flying off the jet ski, and we're running into things, and just bruises everywhere, and we're just laughing. We're just having the time of our life. We're jumping waves everywhere. We're looking at the reef underneath us. It was, it was amazing. And probably 45 minutes in or so, we, we finally just— caught our breath and we stopped and we we looked around and we're like wait man the the sky is getting really dark it kind of looks like there's a storm that's coming in we need to head back we've been out here for a long time and as we turned around to look we, we couldn't see the island we're out in open ocean and there were like little humps of land that we could see, but we didn't know which hump of land we were supposed to be heading towards. And so we just, we kind of just picked one and we started heading in the direction and, and the storm just starts to come up on us and the waves started to get like really violent. And the ocean was just crazy, waves everywhere going over our heads. The jet skis are starting to run out of gas. It starts pouring rain. And I start, I start to worry. There's, there's nothing around me to kind of give me these clues of which way is the right way. And, and we start to kind of panic. So we, we, we just slowly make our way and we're, we're climbing these waves just to get a little glimpse of, of just a little bit of land. And we just keep trying to head that direction. And the jet skis are panicking because we have pounded them. And the weight of worry started to hit. Solomon says it this way in Proverbs 12, 25. Worry weighs a person down. It weighs a person down. It's it's interesting. There's a weight to worry. It, it gives legs to that feeling, the word feeling. Like it you feel it. It has this magical ability to make you feel something physically and emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Worry has this weight to it. And it impacts us in serious ways. And and it's why we need to understand this truth that worry is the greatest opposition to trust. Worry is the greatest opponent, opposition, the polar opposite of trust. And for some of us, when when we allow worry to become our identity, You give away one of the most valuable commodities in life, the ability to trust, the ability to to have hope, the ability to trust that there's a good shot that, yeah, something bad could happen, but it's probably not. And as worry becomes an identity for us, maybe it's just in a season or maybe for you it's been a lifetime, there's a weight that's constantly on your life. And when the, when that trust is gone, when something bad finally does happen, it takes so long for that trust to come back because it's been broken. There's a loss that, that happens within us. Now speaking of warriors, some of you are worried about what happened on the jet ski, like well, you just kind of left the story. Where was where, going on here? What happened? Well, obviously, I'm here talking to you, so we made it. but it, it was. it was just long. Tedious process to get back and I finally got close enough to some land to see some, some landmarks and we're still battling the sea and we finally get there and we're well over an hour late to when we're supposed to be back and we get back to this enraged crowd of people who were about to send out boats searching for us and everyone is furious with us. They're soaking wet because they're standing in the rain. And the little jet ski rental guy is cursing us out in Spanish for what felt like an hour. He was, he was ticked. He should have been. But it was this, this moment for me to understand the impact that worry can have in our lives. But, but I, need, I need you to see something here. I've been building to this slowly over the last couple of weeks. In week three, we talked about living with a vision, living with purpose, understanding that you were anointed to accomplish your assignment. Last week, I talked about this this picture, this preferred picture of your future that can be so motivating, so passion-driven, that you can be grateful for it before you even have it. And so there's a question that I need you to wrestle with within yourself and within your struggle with worry in your life. What would happen if you were fully convinced that God was writing your story and that you're invited to be a part of it. Like what would, what would happen in your life if you understood that the God of all creation, the God who loves you and created you for a purpose is writing a story, a story that has ups and downs, that has chaos and crisis, but it has victory a story that, that brings you through the valley of the shadow of death where you would fear no evil and you can lean on him and he comforts you and he's with you and he gives you what you need in those moments. Story, a, a story that is, is full of just these triumphs where God was faithful when you were connected with people that changed your life forever. This beautiful tapestry of a life. What would happen if you were fully convinced? that God was writing your story and you're invited to be a part of it. Like it's so much bigger than you could ever imagine. The question is, what, what story do you want to tell with your life? A story riddled with worry? Better question is, what's holding you back from telling the story you want to tell? I'd be willing to bet that one of the great oppositions of you living the story you would love to tell, a story that your family would talk about for generations to come, a story that, that leaves an impact, a positive influence on the world, I would be willing to bet that some of the greatest opposition to you telling the story you want to tell is worry, is fear, This anxiety. Because for some reason, we aren't fully convinced in the challenging seasons of our life that God is still writing. God didn't accidentally make a boo boo on the sheet of paper of your life and it's like, what do we do now? God is writing your story. Now, some of you, you hear the words of Solomon, you think, what? that's great for you, God says you're, you're the wisest man who ever lived, the richest man, the mo- good, good for you, Solomon. Don't worry, I wouldn't worry if I was in your shoes either. Some of you would say the same thing to me, Danny, you don't, you don't know my story, you don't know my situation, you don't know what I've faced. And you're right, but the truth is allowing excuses to determine the direction of your life, it only gives credibility to your past experiences and it doesn't leave room for hope and trust in the future ones. When your worry and your excuses are the things that you grab a hold of, the only thing that they do is they point back to your past and go, see what happened, see what's there, but it leaves out these major points where God was faithful to you. Our excuses and our worry gives credibility to our past experiences, but it robs us of our hope and our trust in the future. Jesus, Jesus said this way about worry, and he, he takes it even further than Solomon. Matthew six thirty one, he says, so then forsake your worries. Get rid of them. Why would you say, what will I eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For that is what unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly father already know the things your body requires? So above all, above all, constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. And then all these less important things like food and shelter will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. For tomorrow will take care of itself. This is so challenging. Like, how, Jesus, how can you say, when, there, when there's hungry and hurting people in the world, how can you say, don't worry about food? Don't worry about where your clothes will come from. Don't worry about where you'll stay and what we'll drink. How, how, can he, how can he equate worrying to being an unbeliever? I mean, this is what he says here. That's what unbelievers chase after. But I think Jesus is making a deeper point. When you become obsessed with the things you need you lose your hunger for the one you need. When you become obsessed with the things that you need, Jesus says, don't you understand? Your heavenly father knows that you need those things. He knows what you need to function and survive. He knows what you'll need to get through this season and prepare you for the next one because he's writing the story. He knows it from beginning to end. He knows. So why would you prioritize those things over me? Why would you worry about those things? Why would you put so much weight and emotion into those things when your heavenly father knows what you need. Seek him first. I love how he says, refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge one day at a time. It's in the Lord's prayer. Give us today our daily bread. Give us us what we need for today. We have this vision and this hope for the future, but today we're not going to worry about all of these things. We're going to handle today seeking after you first and understanding you provide what we need this reminded me of uh, the people of israel as they they got to the doorsteps of this promised land just super quick recap people of israel were in slavery for 400 plus years over 400 years they were slaves in egypt and god sends moses to rescue them and says hey I'm bringing you to the promised land, to a land that I have promised to your ancestors. I'm, I am answering this promise. I'm bringing you there. And he does miracle after miracle after miracle. And all they do is grumble and grumble and worry and stress and complain over and over and over again. Every bad day, they would glamorize the past and go, oh, do you remember in Egypt when we at least had water and bread? Did you forget the little dash of slavery? Sure, let's glamorize the bread and water. But what, like, what are you thinking? So here they are. They're on the edge of the land that God had promised them. It's time for them to go in. And Moses says, hey, I'm going to send... Twelve spies into the land to scope out, scope out this land that God has promised to us. See if what he said is actually like, is it flowing with milk and honey, like he says? Check the soil. Check the vegetation. Like, bring us back some fruits. Check out the people. Like, what are we coming up against? And so they go and do this in Numbers 13, 25. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel, at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community that they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. And this was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produced. The Bible says it's fruit that the grapes were the size of their heads. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, descendants of Anak. The Am- Amalekites live in the Gev, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites and the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb's like, shush, 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 shush. He tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. He says, let's go now and take the land. We can certainly conquer it. This is what God has promised us. But the other men who had explored the land disagreed. They said, we, c- we can't go against them. They are stronger than we are. And so what did, they, what did they do? They spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites, saying the land we traveled through and explore would devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants in the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we are like grasshoppers, and they even thought that too. And today I need you to grab a hold of this. This is so important. You can make a difference, or you can make excuses, not both. You can make a difference or you can make excuses. Caleb, Caleb, that was just here in the story. He's a beast of a dude. And one day we'll look at his story. He he goes, I don't know what's wrong with you people. God said, this is our land. Did you see what he provided for us? It's time to go. Joshua says, it's time. God has given us this land. Let's, Let's take what God has promised us. But the other 10 dudes Allow the worry of the situation, the worry of the obstacles, the worry of the opposition to wear them down. And and I want you to see what they did. They began to make excuses about the size of the problem, and they forgot about the size of their God. They'd gone toe to toe with one of the world's superpowers in Egypt, and God crushed them. But here they are again with an opportunity to trust God, and they go. I don't care what God did in Egypt. Did you see the giants? Did you see who's on the other side? Did you Did you see the fortified cities? Yeah, but didn't God? It doesn't matter what God did before. These guys are giants, and they're fortified, and there's no way getting it. This This is too big. But I also want you to see what they did too. They began to spread worry like a stomach bug through a preschool. It wasn't enough that they were feeling this. They started to spread it throughout all the people, whispering it and spreading it like a wildfire because worry refuses to be alone. Worry needs a companion. Worry needs somewhere to grow. And and unfortunately in the world that we live in now, it has one of the greatest platforms to be able to spread. It's called social media. Now, when you're worried and you can't find somebody to worry with you in person, I just have on Facebook. I can find somebody to worry about something with me there. See, look, at, there's a thousand comments on this post. I can hop on the door app. Somebody's stealing Amazon packages off of the front. See, I told you there are crazy people in the world. Of course there is. But worry refuses to be alone. It needs companionship, and it spreads so as this conversation is continuing, with Moses and Israel, the people are freaking out. They're ready to like push Moses out, and we're going back to Egypt. This, this is just craziness. We're going back to slavery. They would rather the comfort of discomfort than the uncertainty of the future. And, and I'm going to get to this point here in a second. There's there's something that's massive that we're missing. In Numbers 14, 69, so two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua and, and Caleb, They tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is wonderful. The future God's promise is wonderful. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is rich, filled with flowing milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless. Pray to me. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Joshua and Caleb understood you can worry about the future or you can prepare for it. I'm not talking about like doomsday prepping, right? You can worry about your future. You spend so much energy worrying about what could happen that if you use 10% of that energy to prepare for it, your life would look completely different. They understood God had been preparing them for this moment. God had been working in them. Like this wasn't called the hopeful land. This wasn't called the, we'll see what happens when we get there land. It was called the land that I have promised you, the land that was set apart for you, From the time of your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I promised this land to them. But they forgot the promise, and they focused on the problem. And the challenge for you is, are you worrying about something that God has already given you victory over? Are you sweating at night? tossing and turning and not being able to sleep, worrying about something that God goes, I I promised you that. Like that isn't, that isn't something that you even have to like, I hope God would do. God promised you he would show up for you in that area. God, God gets frustrated with them in Numbers 14, 10. The whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Blasphemy. And then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me, even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them? Just quickly, God had protected them from the 10 plagues that ravaged Egypt. God had parted the Red Sea. He had destroyed one of the most powerful armies in the world by swallowing them into the sea. He purified the bitter water of Marah as they, they got there and they were dying of thirst in the desert. He heals and purifies this water for them to drink these hundreds of thousands of people. He rained down manna from the sky that they could grind up and turn into this beautiful, sweet, bread that they could eat but then when it was time to go to battle he would send quails for them to have protein god's sending protein shakes and pancakes and they're like what are we gonna do god god had given them the strength that they need when they face another moment where they were thirsty and in need he releases water from a rock and now god all of a sudden isn't going to provide for the promise that he had given all of a sudden, he's going to lose his ability to protect them. All of a sudden, he's not going to know what to do. It's, it's as if they're thinking God was like, "Shoot, I didn't, I didn't think there would be people in the Promised Land. What are we going to do, George? What do we do now?" And they built walls to protect their city. Whoo! This one went right over my head, guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. what? What are they thinking? And it's, man, it's so easy to be hard on the people of Israel, but you and I do the same thing. We'd rather lose sleep over our problems than trust that God might have an answer for it. We would rather be ravaged with worry because somehow it convinces us that we'll be prepared. If we worry about it, then we'll be ready if something bad happens. And God's like, what are you doing? How long will you not trust me? How long will you lean into worry instead of belief? So how do we prepare? for our future instead of worrying about it? How do we prepare rather than allowing it to take control of our life and worrying about what's ahead? And we hit this super quick. The first thing that I want you to see is that you have to identify your excuses and evaluate their source. Identify your excuses. Start there. When faced with a challenge, ask yourself, why do I make this excuse when I'm faced with this? Well, hey, a new bill came in the mail. Oh, money's running out. You're not feeling great today. Situations. Are, what What is the excuse that you make? And then, then you need to identify the source. I love, I love how Andy Stanley says this. He says, "Your sometimes your because is not the cause. Sometimes your because well, it's because." Sometimes your because is not the actual source. So you need to identify. Identify. When you're making excuses in your life, excuses about your future, excuses about your relationship, excuses about your habits, excuses about your life, what's the source of that? Where is that coming from? The second thing to help combat that is that you prayerfully write down a picture of your preferred future. Write down a preferred, this picture of your preferred future. We talked about this last week. We've been, we've been leading up to this point. You got to write it down. You got to put it in front of you. you. You have to have a target. You have to have a target. You have to be heading in a direction, vision, direction, purpose. You, you got to have that. And the reality is you put so much pressure, like, what if I have this picture of the future and it doesn't exactly happen? It's not. It's never going to be exactly how we pictured it. But we can head in a direction where we trust God for vision and direction and purpose. I remember when I was a, a young leader and I was, I was starting to help with ministries and, and start to, to truly become the, uh, trying to lead, trying to be a leader. And I just, I didn't know what, I didn't know where I was going to go. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was still working full time in a bank and and just trying to figure out what was going to happen. And so I had to start somewhere. And so the picture that I put in front of me, the picture that drove me is that I said, I want to be a leader worth following. That was it. Not, I want to be this position. I want to be in this place. I want to make this. I want to be a leader worth following. That was my starting picture for my leadership journey, my my preferred future. I may not have all the answers, but if I can be a leader worth following, I'm going to be successful in whatever it is that I'm, I'm going into. Whatever God has on the other side of this season, I will be a leader worth following. And it leads us to our third and final point. Then, once you have that picture, you decide from this day forward, I will blank. From this day forward, not three months from now, not six months from now, not when the finances look this way, not when this comes together, not when I get this job promotion, not what, no, 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 no. From this day forward, I am preparing. From this day forward, I will start. And it was in 2010 as I was working as a, a vault teller at a bank, I said, what what does it take? What would I need to start doing now in order for me to become a leader worth following? And I wrote down four things. I need to be humble. I need to be wise. I need to be brave. And I need to be honest. And those four words have driven my leadership journey for over a decade for well over a decade, just driving me forward. And I started to read books in between customers about what it meant to lead with wisdom and what it meant to lead with humility. I would help a customer. I'd take care of my my stuff. And in between, instead of playing on my phone, waiting for the next customer, I would read a book about leading with wisdom. How how do you have vision for the future? How do you lead in this way? How do you lead with humility? I started to follow leaders and learn from leaders who were honest, and they were transparent, and they were brave. They were willing to do things that other people weren't, and, and they were embarking on new journeys and, and trying new things. And And I just learned what I could in that season, and I read probably 50 books in a 18 month period of time just trying to learn what it meant to be a leader worth following. And then, when I finally had the moment, when the Lord opened the opportunity for me to be able to be that leader, to have that position, to have that time, I was ready for it. I was prepared. I wasn't worried. I wasn't stressed out. What will I do in this situation? I had been preparing for the moment before the moment. So worry has no place. There may be nerves about what you're going to do in the future, but the worry, it has no place because I've been prepared. Over the last three years, my family has faced crisis after crisis, giant after giant, moment after moment and in all of those seasons we've never been overwhelmed by worry of if God is going to show up worry of what's going to happen next worry we weren't we weren't worried we were Feeling it, we were experiencing it. There was pain, there was heartbreak in the moment, but worry had no place because we know God has been preparing us for whatever is ahead. We've been building the foundation to stand on, even though the future may not make sense. And if God was faithful in the past, why would He stop being faithful now? If God is writing the story of my life, if He is leading me in a direction and He's brought us to this place, why would He all of a sudden abandon us and forget how to provide? for us and not give us what we need. Worry has no place because if my God was good to me, then he'll be good to me now. If he was faithful, then he'll be faithful now. If he healed me, then he will heal me now. If he will strengthen me when I was weak here, then he'll strengthen me now. And I will lean into that. And some of you need to begin to declare that over your life and over your situations right now. God, I trust you. God, I won't lean into worry. I will lean into trust. I will lean into hope. I will believe that there's a future ahead of me, that you're writing my story, that if you're bringing me through this challenge, you have something for me on the other side. It's not an accident. It's not a mistake. It's not a, oh, what do we do now? I didn't know there was gonna be people in the promised land. God knows what's ahead of you and he's trying to prepare you, but we miss it because we'd rather lean into worry than preparation. And God is saying to you today, It's time to stop worrying your life away. I've got you. I've had you in the beginning and I'll have you now. I had you in this moment and I'll have you in the future. God didn't bring you this far to leave you behind now. We have got to let go of the worry. God is still writing your story. And if you will be fully convinced that he's writing your story, it will change the impact that worry is having on your life. Let's pray. God, would you in this moment, would you just, would you wrap your arms around my friends? Would you just remind them that this, this worry about money, this worry about health, this worry about the future, this worry about raising their kids, this worry about their marriages, this worry is not helping them. The worry lies to them and convinces them that if you worry, if you, if you build up this anxiety, then somehow it will help you in case something goes wrong. God, silence the lies of the enemy. The story you're writing for our our lives, it's not riddled with worry. It's riddled with victory, with hope, with peace. So God, would you just, right here in this moment, speak to our hearts, remind us of your goodness, remind us of your faithfulness, remind us of the things you've done in the past, God, if you are faithful to do it then, we trust and know you will do it now. We thank you for all that you do. In the story that you're writing of our lives. We accept your invitation to be a part of that story. And we trust you as you lead us forward. In Jesus' name.